Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Network. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And the topic for today is how to lead now. Here is the situation that we all know. We are stuck in the pandemic. Most of us are working from home and a lot of different things that we never experienced, we are experiencing. Let's talk about leadership here. Traditionally, we used to call leading means you got to have influence. But can you do that in today's environment? Leadership also meant taking the plunge first to tackle the change and then get other people to follow. But how do you go about it right now? Because we ourselves are not sure as individuals who are trying to lead. And then it was also about creating a vision. But then how do you do when everything is fuzzy ahead of us? So we are facing this crisis like never experienced before. What we call life, how our organizations working or used to work compared to now how they're trying to work and how we even felt a sense of belonging and interacted with our society is all different. How should we rethink leadership and determine the related styles, the approaches, and the philosophies that would be useful now? So to discuss this, we have invited Sam Segren, who is the CIO with Texas Tech University. Hey, Sam, how are you? Pretty good, Sanjo. Great, great. So... The world, as I said, has changed, and I'm sure you and I both are experiencing that. And, and it seems like the journey towards the unknown, things start to look better, but then you hear more news. How should one comprehend and define it, the situation as a leader? I think uh, the way I would approach it is, you know, most businesses tend to have a business continuity plan. And I would look at that as a way of extending the use of a business continuity plan to handle what we're going through currently. In most instances, uh, when you look at an organization and say, hey, you know, if your power fails or if you have a storm, uh, a hurricane, a tornado or earthquake, how do you continue to function? You tend to look at it in that manner. But those things tend to be a little bit more short-term, short-term in the sense of a few weeks or a few months. This now goes into probably at least a year or year and a half that we have to go through this transitionary period during this COVID-19. So I would take a page from our existing plans and see how can we extend that, feed new information into it as we are getting, and adjust that as we go. So that's kind of my philosophy on it. So your your definition, you you took the example of business continuity and... um disaster recovery and and trying to figure out how do we get back. What if if I were to put it under the bucket of managing something? Somehow we get by, somehow we keep the lights on. When we look at the traditional sense, let's remove the word IT from the IT leader, just the leader, that person is not truly saying, I will just help this organization somehow get by through this so that this goes away and and then the ri- the life will resume the normalcy which itself is in question right now 
So should we, wearing a true leader's hat, is that how we should look at it? It's not about we are trying to solve a problem here. We are trying to fundamentally see what happened and how will we lead moving forward? Because the parameters have changed fundamentally in some cases. I, I don't think the, in terms of leadership, we need to be looking to see how we would get back to normalcy as we know it. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned just now, you know, it's not about solving a problem. And I agree with you. It's not solving a problem. I think we are solving numerous problems, um, many different problems. And, you know, it's like uh, General Colin Powell said, leadership is about solving problems. And, so if you look at it from that perspective, I think the goal may be to lead back to normalcy, but not necessarily in the same fashion as we were used to. I think we need to, uh, you know, reset expectations in some aspects, but at the same time, you know, we shouldn't lose focus on the vision of where we were heading and who we are. There may be, you know, we may need to temper that a little bit in terms of some empathy and compassion with the situation that our employees are in, our customers are in. I think that's the pieces that we need to bring in. So the traditional sense, and of course, whenever, okay, we are CTN, CIO Talk Network, so we talk to CIOs, and that means it's very business-focused, understood, granted. That's the scope or the context in anyone who's going to be talking right now. But then, as you mentioned, the words empathy, and, and and care, if you will, the softer side, that was more done or is being more done in many cases where people say, okay, this is something we have to do because employees need it. So, but the, the context still remains, I'm a leader, other people are employees. But leading doesn't always require a title for you to lead. And, and is a today leader, maybe you like you're the CIO, if you were to say, I, yes, I'm a CIO of a company, but I'm a leader first. I'm a human first. So how about defining the leadership context or leadership uh, title, if you will, from a human standpoint versus being part of an organization? Because that would be more fundamental, isn't it? I agree. I mean, uh, the, the leadership part uh, is crucial, but you're exactly right. Uh, leadership in this sense is not about titles. Uh, one thing that, uh, that I noticed in the, in the first, so we had two weeks notice before we had to totally go online from spring break to online operations. And in that two weeks, we did a lot of things. And a lot of folks of my staff, other university staff, we worked probably 16 to 18 hour days for two weeks without a weekend uh, to eventually get them. And, in that process, a lot of people, regardless of title, stepped up and I would say probably uh, they, ex they exemplified what leadership is, regardless of title. There were those folks who took charge, who made calls they needed to make to help where they can, to share, but at the same time, they did it without losing the structure in terms of communication. So instead of going back up the chain to ask, you know, we basically cut loose our, our employees in teams and groups and say, this is your project. This is your project. This is your project. And everyone had, a, had basically something to accomplish and they took charge. And so I think leadership in that sense comes from both uh, the team leaders themselves 
who are making the calls that are best suited to the situation on the ground. And at the same time, they are also communicating back with us. And I think leadership from, uh, from my senior team is also giving them that leeway to make those calls. And I think leadership in this case is both some that were part that was provided in training and preparation. I think some of that was also part about people actually themselves uh, emerging as leaders that may not have been leaders in the, in the, in the formal sense of the titles. There is another aspect to leadership or rather a, a truth about leadership is that you don't become a leader. Other people make you one. You got to True. earn it, right? True, right. So today, if I were to ask you to say, okay, go, Sam, um, you know, appear in an exam for leadership where the only way you will pass is other people will give you a good mark. What would you do in today's environment so you earn that stripe of a leader? I think, I think in, in that sense, you know, you really have to go out there and it goes back to what we're trying to do, the objectives, the impact, what are we trying to accomplish? But trying to do it with uh, collaboration and teamwork more than a top-down directive. And I think that's important. And it, it was important before, and I think it is more important now where we are able to get things done through collaborations and also through folks who don't normally are reporting to us in the normal reporting chain. It's, it's the influence that you actually have to exert in that sense more than authority. I think that's important in the, in the, in the context of what you're asking. And would you say, is that like the way one is what you just said? Okay, this is what we should do. But is that what's happening out there? Are the people who got the title of a leader, even in an organization, are they really stepping up to that level where they truly earn the stripes as a leader? In today's context, are people really looking up to anyone or everyone is struggling with their own survival? I think there's a mix. I think there are people who are struggling with their own survival, but I think I've also seen, uh, not just within my own environment, you know, I watch uh, our daily um, mayoral briefings from our city, uh, and you're beginning to see physicians step up. You know, we've always looked at physicians as, as a medical doctor, but you're beginning to see leadership coming out of those folks during the daily briefings in terms of how and how they're handling the questions they get from the public. I see that in my own own employee pool uh, for those who have stepped up, and and yes, uh, you know, going you know the other part of the uh, you know, unasked question you had was some of them fail, some of them are not going to step up, uh, and they fail for different reasons. Sometimes you're right, they're they're on a self survival mode, and sometimes they're basically blinded, uh, they're basically hit by too many things to uh, all at once. But you do begin to see a lot of people stepping up. It's not going to be a hundred percent, but I'm actually quite pleased to see what I have seen, at least uh, in our in our regional areas, in, in our university. Uh, and also, you know, I, I do see people step up uh, in terms of delivering public good without recognition. People who have gone around to help community in terms of uh, collecting food and feeding, for instance, uh, or people who are out there uh, feeding animals. There are a lot of people doing a lot of good out there. I had, uh, you know, when this first thing started, uh, I, I had a, a friend who basically came out to my house and delivered a couple of masks. I didn't even ask for it. Uh, it. It's things like that. People who take it upon themselves to see what the need is. 
and, and going out there and doing what they can with the resources they have, both in the context of a formal role, but also in a form of an informal role, because there are people who are able to do things that are beneficial and who actually are stepping up to do that. So if I'm giving, right, that's what you mentioned. People are going out, finding what the need is. They step up. That's giving. And of course, being a giver is one of the traits of a leader. And that individual who's giving is taking the leadership. Nobody asked them to do so. This is purely voluntary, very individual specific. How can we institutionalize this within a company, within a group of, of within an industry, within the society, so that leadership is not just a matter of an individual thinking one at a time, but we cross inspire each other. And even a person who's at the top within a company thinks like that person who is an individual going out and helping others, but not just doing that. They are inspiring the rest of them to do the right things. And in that process, we get through this together versus everyone just looking up to that one person. So he, he or she has to, the top level leader has to build other leaders. And that's what perhaps one of the traits of a good leader is. Today, we need to consciously build leaders faster and better so that we have more leaders in, in, in the society and in the companies. So we get through these things together. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore about this a little more. How do you develop other leaders when people are just struggling with the survival? Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, here is what we have been dealing with, individual givers, voluntary good work, people trying to help each other in a way the pandemic has perhaps evoked the human emotion a lot more. Otherwise, people were just in a race. Now, that said, coming back to the leadership part, if we leave people alone and this whole effort is fragmented and purely voluntary and some people have the capability to give a lot more or be a better leader, but nobody better is out there or nobody is out there to support them or build them into another leader, that's a shame. And now is the time when we need most leaders, self-leaders or people who can lead others. What do you think, Sam, we should be doing as corporations and community? To develop other leaders, but with intentionality. I think uh, you know one of the one of the principles of leadership in business uh, is about recognizing the leadership development is an ongoing practice. Um, that 
you don't just create a few ranking folks and move on and hire the next time you need one. The goal is to train people continuously. And, and I can tell you what we did. We, we used Gartner services quite a bit. And I had one of our Gartner uh, CIO partners, Cindy, came by and trained about half my workforce in leadership training uh, a couple of years ago. And then uh, following year, we did uh, communications training uh, for the same group of people. That combination of continuous training is one aspect of it. And, and the other one is, uh, uh, you know, make it fail safe uh, in terms of folks who work in the ranks of any company, any, any community. If someone has an idea, uh, I, I think, I think that, that's something that should be heard. For instance, uh, you know, the, in the principles of military leadership, uh, one of the principles they have is that good ideas have no rank. Uh, a good idea is a good idea. It doesn't matter uh, who came up with that idea. So I, I think we need to be able to practice that more deliberately in the sense that when you seek input or feedback from people in the community, for instance, how to make the community better, uh, listen to the community. Don't just go through the motions of it, but actually listen, see who's saying what. Because those are the folks who are actually seeing what the need is out there and recognizing that and then putting some formal programs along with that. Like I know in, in our city in Lubbock, uh, they've had what they call leadership Lubbock that this, uh, the chamber puts together. Year by year, they go through and train about uh, 30 or 40 people uh, into all aspects of leadership, but also in terms of knowing what the different key core businesses are in the community and what the core services are from the city and connecting people to entities they otherwise would not see on a normal basis. So this helps members in the community bright, kind of broaden their horizon about who else is out there as part of the community and then structure that a little bit with some formal training. I think this needs to be part of the activities that folks do, uh, regardless of what business you're in, is to dedicate uh, either a 5% or a 10% of the business's resources into developing uh, employees in the leadership aspects. Now, one is that you mentioned, you know, you had someone come in for training and you bring those people to training. Now we have to see that through that these people are starting to show signs that they're improving and developing into a leader. And then they have to be given an opportunity to go jump in into the swimming pool, sometimes without floaters to see how they swim and or they struggle and, and they grow, right? you got to temper them. Right. There was a pre-COVID era and now this is the era. Are we continuing that effort or are we too preoccupied to somehow get by and let people, you know, slide back into their original self versus continuing that leadership development journey? How, guys, I use the word intentionality, right? Right. No matter what the situation, we cannot stop developing people. And it's more important than ever that if possible, we should even accelerate. Are we putting totally. the money where the mouth is? I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, so one, one of the things that when we look at is uh, when, when businesses go through a, process, a time like this, especially during COVID, th- there is a tendency to say, okay, what can we do without? And, and I would sincerely hope that 
every business, every organization, all the leaders make a decision that is appropriate for their areas. However, none of those folks should be looking at training as an aspect of cutting their cost because this is the worst time to cut training aspects of what's needed in any business or any organization. You know, I can understand telling folks, okay, you know, you can do uh, entertainment, you can do travel, but training is core and crucial, especially at a time like this, to equip people to have cross-functional skills or to train up in leadership aspects or to train up with formal training all of those, the training is a core component, I think, during this time. And I think some do a better job at it than others. Uh, and I think the grassroots level of folks who exhibit some leadership and not only leadership abilities, but also interests in those areas can be developed further. Now, wherever you are looking at anything related to the leadership principles, right? There have been books written. There have been, you know, new methodologies and philosophies promoted and are brought out in front of the world. And, and some of them have merits, other are just repetitions. If I were to ask you to rationalize the leadership principles, which we must use in today's context, or you would have personally used them or maybe starting to use them now so that you as a leader are more relevant and more impactful in today's context and moving forward, which leadership principles would those be? Uh, I think I mentioned uh, a couple earlier about making sure that leadership is a development uh, as an ongoing practice. But the other one I mentioned was making it uh, fail-safe in terms of folks being able to speak up. But I think some of the others that I would uh, look at is you know, one of the principles about is hiring for transformation. Uh, I think that's something to think about because in an era like this where change is rapid, it is continuous, looking for new ideas, looking for innovation, uh, a lot of that comes out of not necessarily uh, myself or my senior leaders or my mid-level managers. It could be anyone out there. It could be an employee that hasn't formally been raised to a certain rank. It could be even a customer of ours uh, who basically may bring some new ideas. I think that is a core piece of principles that we need to be open about. We also need to be more honest and open about information. I think in order for some of these folks to make a, a good contribution to the, to the good of society or good of the organization, is they need to have access to information. So I think that the whole issue of transparency, of making sure that people understand why policies are made the way they are, and what leads to certain policies or certain processes in place. I think if that is shared more openly within the organization, I think that also helps to contribute folks to develop themselves. And, and, I, and I think the, the other one that I think the, the military has a, a thing in leadership where they say leadership is not a thing, it's a relationship. Um, it's, it's really important about how people relate to each other uh, in terms of, uh, influencing someone versus uh, basically ordering someone or telling someone. I think the influencing someone is probably more long-lasting. I think it is better received. I think those are the aspects that we, as a principle of leadership, we should push for those things. 
Now, if I were to look at the pandemic, and I mentioned this in the introduction itself, that we were in a race. And we were essentially all about business agility and innovation and disruption. Now, that, yes, we want to do it, but we know we cannot keep going at that 100 miles an hour pace because there are many aspects to that innovation and disruption and the fundamentals that we were building this whole agility on may have changed. And essentially, that was being done under the leadership of people who also were depending on those other fundamentals which existed pre-COVID. What would be now the new mantra, the new guideline for the leaders? But you know what, uh, Uh, Sam, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back and let's dig deeper. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Agility, innovation, disruption. These were the kind of words we were hearing every day, and we were chasing like there is no tomorrow. These these uh, holy grail of everything is super fast, super effective, super innovative. COVID stalled us, made us think again. Maybe start looking at things differently, and forcing us to start thinking about leadership differently. So, if you were to give the new set of guidelines, Sam, what would those be for the leadership part? I think, uh, you know, I think those, some of those are still valid. I think the agility, innovation, disruption is still valid, but I think I would add to that words like resilience, cross-training, skills training, adaptability, uh, diversification, nimbleness. I think those are the types of things that we need to inculcate into folks in terms of how to operate or how to think about operating their business is, is really about the resilience is an important one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see at the end of this COVID-19 period, at the, at the end of this pandemic, how many businesses fail and don't come back up and why? And, and some of them might be by the nature of the business they were in. But the other piece of it is if you look at it uh, from a resilience perspective and adaptability, you know, when we were driving around town during the early days of lockdown and, you know, you noticed that there were some Starbucks stores that basically shut down, but then there were others that were operating. And there's one difference. The difference was those that had a drive-through ability, whether it was a Starbucks or a Sonic or any restaurants, those restaurants survived 
or were able to survive by continuing to have a drive-through service. Those that did not have a drive-through service, some of them adapted by having call-in orders and bringing orders out. So they were adapting. Others just basically shuddered. So I think, you know, that, that's just a, one example in a community. But I think if you think about it going forward, one thing that every business leader need to be thinking about is how would I continue to function? How would I be resilient in this environment if it comes up again? Or how can you adapt quickly? How will I train my employees to be able to work in an environment like this? So I think, you know, going back and saying that again, I think that the things that really should come up high on the list of any leaders is going to be resilience, cross-training, skills training, adaptability, and also diversification. More than one line of business that would be profitable for the business or at least help the business survive and meet the bottom line. So that's great that you at least outlined some of the key ones that people can follow. Now, what after they understand what to be done? What's the execution path to getting these inculcated? Because not everyone is born or nurtured or got the opportunity to be nurtured as a leader. And you want this to be not just in the ivory tower. You want that ideally at every level of the organization because you want the cumulative effect. How do you do that? Well, I think that that goes back to the earlier one that mentioned when we talked about recognizing leadership development as an ongoing practice. This is really about selling that idea to, uh, you know, to kind of rephrase what you said, the ivory tower. The folks in the ivory tower need to buy into that. They need to recognize that. And I personally believe after going through a time like this, they will be more, more amenable to buying into these kind of ideas than they were before that. And mainly because they would have had the opportunity to see what works. You know, one, one way to look at this is what are the silver linings that we can get out of this period? I know there are people who are hurting. I know there are people who are barely surviving. I know there are people who are working long, hard hours to survive, both from the family side and also from the business side. But around all of this, if you look for silver lining, is to look and see what helped And I think a lot of good leaders will take a good lesson from these things and be able to incorporate that into their training with their own employees and and not just the management teams, but with the employees in general. And I would love to see that in any organization to be able to incorporate aspects of that. Now, if you are looking at what is the precedence, we did not have any. So discovery process and realignment process we have to use for other people who would want to follow a leader because we can naturally navigate. We as leaders, we means I will take the liberty, even though I do not know if I qualify to be a leader, but suppose I take you. So Sam as a leader was born with something. You got the opportunity. You know how to figure out how to discover yourself and what's to be done and then how to realign things. You would know it, but others don't. And and should you wait for all of them to get better and to get that level so that everyone comes along together and sing Kumbaya? Or you would say, let me deal with the crisis right now and I will bring them along when I have a breather. 
what's realistic? One is to talk philosophy here on the show. Another is what's realistic. I think what's realistic, and I can base that based on what we are doing internally, is not just utilizing the leaders we team leaders we have in place, but also noticing those who have stepped up and giving them more roles, giving them more leadership roles, even now, to be able to deliver because some of them have stepped up, and I think as as leaders, it's our responsibility to recognize that and to give that. And you mentioned it earlier. They need that opportunity to show what they can do, regardless of a title. I think that is something that it takes good leadership to recognize and say, okay, person X or person Y during this period has done these things. I wonder if I gave him this ABC items, how they would do with that using the same type of thinking rationality, rationale that they're using there. So I think, I think taking advantage of what we're going through right now and giving them more opportunities is one way immediately. I don't think we should wait until uh, this fall or next spring or end of summer to do that. I think we can start that in a small way right now. But by the same token, on a long-term basis, we need to have an idea. What does the long-term plan look like? And what does this mean to our HR rules and policies that we have? One of the toughest jobs, I think, for any community to have are the HR directors and the HR personnel because, you know, this, if, if anyone who's going to have a ton of problems to solve on their plate are those HR folks. And so we need to be working with them long term. How can we leverage what we have seen as successful methods of leadership or leadership training? How can we incorporate that in a long term aspect of it? And so in addition to, uh, like you mentioned earlier, the leaders in the ivory tower, we also need HR on with us in this journey of going forward. How do we get better from here? So when we look at, and interestingly, you mentioned the word, you know, something that you look forward to. Um, I, I would take it back and, and give it the name vision, which is what was supposed to be a leader's responsibility. So once you are done with the firefighting, once you're done taking whosoever is there, wherever they are, give them the opportunity to volunteer, et cetera, to take care of what we are dealing with today, we have to get the leaders who have prime responsibility to be able to create a vision, keep refining the vision, keep people aligning to that vision so that we keep moving forward. But that fundamental vision was also based on certain market parameters the competitive landscape, the customer needs, or wherever, of course, there were some value system that the company had. Maybe the value system may not have changed, but the rest of those other things may have changed. We don't know what's ahead of us for us to still claim that vision we created in 2019 is still holding good. And without that vision, without that clarity, how does one lead? I think... I think that's true in some respect, but not for everybody. For instance, um, vision, you know, if, if your vision was to, if you're in the medical field, if your vision is to save lives, that doesn't change. Now, if it means to save lives in a quicker time frame or with less resources, uh, you know, so they might adapt their vision a little bit. For higher education, you know, at least for us, 
you know, our vision, the first one has always been about student success and education. The second one has always been about research and, and basically discovery of new knowledge. And the third one has always been about uh, outreach and engagement. It's about engaging the community and making the world a better place. So those basic visions, if they have been set properly, shouldn't have to change. However, how you accomplish those visions in terms of achieving that, like we might play a bigger role from a higher education institution perspective in the research side for pandemics like this. What can we contribute to society? What can we do for the community? What can we do in terms of research? I think those are the areas that will help us tweak that aspect of it. And I think every business should take another look at their vision and, and see where it makes sense to keep it the same or to modify it. I think if you totally change your vision, then what you're doing is you're changing the core business of who you are. And so I think that's, that's a decision uh, that is very relevant. I think you're exactly right. It's an opportunity for folks to take a look at and see, you know, do we change the vision? Do we modify the vision? Or do we really throw that out and start all over again? I think, I think that's, that'll be an interesting one to see for certain businesses when they totally have to change it. Because if they have to throw it out, then it indicates that whatever business they were in has been fundamentally changed by COVID-19 as we're going through. And I think in some areas that probably is true. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's come back to the people who make you the leader. And maybe we should talk more in an organizational setting where employees may have concerns about job loss. They may have concerns about the business itself that pays their bills and gives them their paycheck because we don't know what's going to happen to it. And then... In any such situation, besides that, at the personal level, they might have some health concerns for themselves or their family. In all of those not as conducive uh, a set of parameters or that conducive an environment, we still want them to keep their head straight, stay sane, and still follow leadership. What kind of magic can a corporate leader pull? when there are so many debilitating forces or so many distractors which would hold back an employee from doing so. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. So, uh, Sam, when we talk about us trying to lead, of course, we have the best intent. And like any other employee, which may who may have their own concerns about employment, uh, well, you know, rather regularity or continuity of employment, or they may have issues with the continuity of or viability of the business itself, which they work for. 
and at the same time they could have their health concerns what would make a corporate leader so compelling or their message and what they want to see these employees do so compelling that they will keep all those distractors and personal interests aside and actually start following you i think the the key part of that is to see if that corporate leader had both uh, and i mentioned it earlier is they have both empathy and compassion for the employees or what the employees are going through and you know like like in our case uh, our president actually made the call when when we basically sent everyone home to work from home well i can work from home most of my staff can work from home faculty members can work from home but there are a huge set of students who work on campus who can no longer work who are now at home and when you have a university of about 40,000 students a significant portion of them are funding themselves through part-time job and if all of those students suddenly didn't have a job basically they have to drop out of school and they are out there on the streets so our president made a call at that time that we will continue to pay students uh for their half time wages even though they were not doing anything from work but they're at home so it takes some leadership to say through this period we're going to help these people so that they have a place to stay so that they have food to eat and then they will participate again in the campus operations when we start opening up again it takes it takes a lot of leadership gumption to do that and because on the other hand you you're, you're going to have folks who say wait a minute uh, you know you're going to go in, in a hole budget wise doing that but it takes leadership to make a call like that and i think i've seen other businesses in the community do that where they have people coming in trying to figure out alternate ways of working and and trying to understand in some instances uh sharing the food they had in their freezer with their employees families so that there is a lot of that that i would consider as good leadership where people have stepped up and and done that and and in some instances i think leadership also comes from do we just lay off people or do you do some alternate ways i i you know there are there are companies that have done uh, voluntary leave of absence for those who are able to do that or a reduction in force uh, or basically an early uh, retirement with severance pay uh or or do a voluntary rather than a mandatory furlough or, or a redeployment of talents for instance so there there are many different ways that leadership has basically shown itself i think uh, in terms of how folks are doing it and 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 we can even do flexible work arrangements you know there are areas for instance that are partially open uh, in normally when you have two people sharing a cubicle area and you reduce that to one but then put each one on a half time basis so that only one person is there so you may actually be only utilizing half your resources but you're keeping both your employees rather than letting one employee go so a lot of decisions like that is where i think leadership steps up now with with what you just mentioned you got communities and you got families you got individuals and we at one end like you mentioned your president did such a noble deed right to what degree would it still continue to earn you 
not the loyalty, but the follow. That's one act, great one, a noble one, but one act. But leader has to earn his or her stripes every day. And today's day and age, benevolence doesn't sum total to leadership alone. What else should be added to it? I think that this is where if you have a leader who's being transparent in sharing real information, real facts with people and communicating that and telling them what's coming, where we are going, why we are making these decisions and openly sharing that information. I think that's the second piece of that. I think that's where leadership also shows that they're not making uh, decisions in the high tower and uh, in secret. They're basically showing you the cards and saying, this is where we're going. These are the hard decisions we're making. These are the accommodations we're making because of these things. I think that's the second part of it. I think there's a third component to that. We talked about it earlier, which is coming back after the transition going forward. What is the institution or what is the organization going to look like? What is the new face for the organization? I think that's the third part of the leadership. In all aspects, you want that leader to be transparent, principled, doing the right thing and leading the group. And I think that's what gives people confidence in following that leader. One is to, of course, lead others and have that position of control. And what I mean is not controlling others, but feeling that you have a sense of control. But frankly, including you and I, we are all in the same boat as our employees. So we want to feel noble. We want to feel in control. We want to earn that stripe. But there is some sort of self-preservation which is kicking in in all of us as well. We cannot deny that. If we have to look within, and most leaders have to look within before for them to build this so-called leadership DNA, what would be your approach or what would be your message to all other people who may be in a leadership position but still are concerned about what's going on and they don't feel they are in control and they're not, indeed they're not in control, How can they keep at it and help others get to where they can go and they they continue to earn their stripes as a leader, even though they have their own self-preservation kicking in and rightfully so? I think think the self-preservation, of course, as a human, everybody has it. Uh, I think, but even within that group, there are those who need help more than others. I think as a leader, we need to be able to recognize that. Uh, I think that some people are better off than others. And I think those are the folks who should be able to uh, accommodate the other people. For instance, you know, in work, uh, this is a time, I think, for leadership to not necessarily expect an employee to be uh, eight to five Monday through Friday. That's my personal opinion. It's not our institutional's post on it. But I think. You know, as a leader, if you're looking to say, you know, I want you there eight to five, Monday through Friday, versus saying, let's look at the impact of what you're doing. What does your programming work look like? Uh, and maybe that's an area that the leader can help because that person that you're working with, their self-preservation may be making sure that they have 
health issues within their family. They may have children. They may have elderly. And so they may have a different need to take care of the children, the elderly, or someone who has underlying health issues during this period. And to be able to accommodate that person's schedule and be flexible enough, I think that is more important than saying and mandating that, you know, you need to be there at your desk 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. I think making a, you know, accommodation, this is the time to do it. I think those are the things that employees will see. And remember, when, when all this is passed, that, that, that basically the organization cared for you, cared for your needs, uh, and not just expecting you to be on the clock. I think those are the types of things we need to be looking at. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Sam, for sharing your thoughts about how we can lead in today's unprecedented post-COVID. I would not even call it pre-COVID or COVID. It's like we hope it's a post-COVID world so that we are able to create the most value as individuals and for all people involved, for community, for organization and society in general. Thank you so much. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it, got some value out of it. Keep keep your head held high and get through this. We will all get through this together. Please like us on Facebook, search for CTN. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and follow us on LinkedIn group as well. Thank you again for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.